0: I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about one survivor's tireless work in cancer land to make all chests, all people feel at home. My guest today is the editor from our most recent body issue, Dana Donofray, who was diagnosed with breast cancer a little over 12 years ago now. Her plans to get married, climb the corporate fashion ladder, and attend business school for a master's degree all changed in one single moment when she got a call that confirmed that she had breast cancer. After undergoing a mastectomy with breast reconstruction, she found that not only had her life changed forever, but so had her body. It took Dana years to come to terms with what she was really dealing with and how her life was going to be impacted but she was so grateful to have had the opportunity to launch Anna Ono in the midst of all to provide boob-inclusive lingerie for all surgery outcomes and chest types after breast cancer. It's been her long-term dream to start a fashion company, a brand she could be proud of and help impact the lives of others like her. Dana has had the pleasure to serve the community in many different ways, from serving on the board of Living Beyond Breast Cancer to joining the board of the Breasties advocating for stage four research alongside hashtag Cancerland and metaviver and hosting New York Fashion Week, where she raised nearly $500,000 for research. Dana knows we cannot do this alone. It takes a village to see change, a commitment to see it through, and a passion to keep it all going. She believes we are never alone when we commit to one another and lift each other up to impact the lives of as many as possible. Hey, Dana. Welcome to The Burn. Again, welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me back, April. It's an honor to be here.
0: Absolutely. I'm just so excited to have you here to talk more about the work that you're doing with Anna Ono and to talk about the issue that we just did together. So you were the guest editor for this year's Body Issue. This is an issue that is now in its seventh year, uh, one of our longest running issues, and you've guest edited a few of those. So I'm excited to kind of talk about the history of that issue, the history of your time with not only Anna Ono, but just in Cancerland in general, and all that good stuff. So... We have an interesting task ahead of us today. You're going to read the guest editor letter that you wrote for the issue. And then you're going to talk to us about a photo spread in the issue. And for those of you listening, I do hope you will pick up the issue. We will have it linked in the show notes because you really actually have to see it to really, really get it. But we're going to do our best to describe this incredible photo spread and then chat about it. And for those of you listening, of course, stay to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's discussion. All right, Dina, I'll pass the mic to you. All right. So I'll just kick off here with,
1: with the guest editor note. Dear friends and advocates, it's with great appreciation and hope that I reach out to you today, reflecting on the remarkable advancements and changing landscape we've witnessed in the realm of breast cancer over the past decade. The journey has been arduous, but together we've made extraordinary strides towards a future where breast cancer is no longer synonymous with fear and despair, but survival and hope. In the face of adversity, our collective determination has brought about groundbreaking changes in how we perceive and approach breast cancer. We've witnessed groundbreaking research, improved diagnostics, more effective treatment options, and a greater emphasis on survivorship and quality of life. These achievements have been instrumental in shaping a new narrative, one that acknowledges the strength, resilience, and beauty that exists within every individual affected by this disease. However, as we celebrate these victories, we must also recognize the critical need for inclusivity and representation in our understanding of what is considered normal in the context of breast cancer. For far too long, society has placed undue emphasis on a narrow and unrealistic portrayal of women's bodies, perpetuating the idea that two breasts define femininity and womanhood. This limited perspective not only fails to recognize the diverse experiences of those affected by breast cancer, but it also reinforces harmful stereotypes that exclude and marginalize individuals who do not fit this mold. It's time to redefine normalcy, and embrace the full spectrum of chest types with compassion and acceptance. Every person's journey with breast cancer is unique and their experiences should not be overshadowed by society's narrow standards. We must challenge the prevailing narrative and elevate the voices and stories of individuals who have undergone mastectomies, lumpectomies, and other life-saving surgeries to combat their diagnosis. Courage and resilience in the face of adversity deserve to be celebrated not hidden away or stigmatized. Let us champion the cause of inclusivity by creating spaces that celebrate the beauty and diversity of all chest types. In doing so, we will not only foster greater understanding and empathy, but also pave the way for groundbreaking advancements in expanding reconstructive surgeries and individualized prosthesis. By acknowledging the importance of representation, we can ensure that individuals feel seen, valued, and supported through their breast cancer experience. This path to absolute inclusivity requires a collective effort from all stakeholders involved. Medical professionals, researchers, policymakers, media outlets, and society at large must unite to challenge the status quo and champion a more compassionate and inclusive narrative. Let us promote education and awareness, destigmatize mastectomies, and prioritize access to reconstructive surgery options for those who desire it. It is our responsibility to empower individuals to make informed decisions about their bodies and to support them in their choices, no matter what. And as we reflect on the tremendous progress made in the fight against breast cancer over the past decade, let us not forget that our work is far from over. We must continue to advocate for change, to push boundaries and challenge the norms that limit and exclude. Together, we can create a future where every person affected by breast cancer is celebrated for their strength their resilience, and their unique journey, regardless of the number of breasts that they possess. Thank you for your unwavering commitment to this cause. With your continued support, I believe that we can usher in an era where normalcy is redefined, inclusivity reigns, and the battle against breast cancer is won once and for all.
0: In solidarity, me, Dana. (laughs) I love that letter. Thank you, Dana. So the other thing that we're here to talk about is this, the representation of all of this um, chest inclusivity in this issue. And so this is the challenging part where I'm going to ask you to not only describe this photo spread, but maybe we could start with kind of the story behind the photo shoot that led to the spread and maybe your Uh, I don't know if it was a brainstorm that you had or how this whole photo shoot came to be or if this is just representative of all the photo shoots you do. I,
1: I think really what inspired us for this shoot was this conversation around the word normal. And April, you've been here for a long time as well. And I've always gone back and forth throughout my own experience and my own recognition of what does normal mean to me? I think that we've had a lot of conversations and I'm pretty sure anybody who's listening to this podcast has heard at some point in time since their diagnosis that this is your new normal. Mm -hmm. And I've really gone against it in so many ways, both personally and as an advocate, because by claiming it's a new normal sort of puts us in a place to say, just suck it up and deal with it because this is your life now, and these are your options, and that's it. But there's also been parts of me that have felt like this new normal is, in some ways, not really giving the credit to where the credit's due based upon what our experiences actually are as patients. And those might sound like two very contradictory points of opinion on these two words, but I guess in a way they kind of are, (laughs) because... My own experience has ebbed and flowed over the last 13 years of, of being a breast cancer patient. But I really started to challenge that word. And I really started to try to discover, why are we just calling it normal? Why are we just embracing something to say, it's normal to need to remove your breast when you're diagnosed with breast cancer? It's normal to not have a nipple after you've removed your breast after breast cancer because it has potential risk or it, it may not get reconstructed, et cetera, et cetera. Why aren't we saying it's normal to not have two breasts? Because to us in our life, in our pathway, these are things that are normal to us. They might not be normal to other people because somebody might look at us and say, Oh, well, you only have one breast or you don't have any nipples or why did you reconstruct? Why didn't you reconstruct? And we're always answering these questions for society. But at the end of the day, when we get to sit down and talk to each other, our normal is this. So to me, you know, coming up with this as Ana Ono has ebbed and flowed and, and very much evolved over the last 10 years that I've created it and, you know, had it out in the world. This has always been something that I've battled with. And and I feel like our path through this has become this chest-inclusive conversation where we can't normalize breast cancer bodies if we aren't having conversations about breast cancer bodies and in the way that we would have a conversation about anybody. So if, if we can't give a space to talk about somebody who only has one breast or somebody who has no breasts at all or somebody who has reconstructed breasts, we won't normalize the conversations because we're hiding too much behind the curtain. So the idea was, Mm -hmm. is that really putting on the forefront chest inclusivity to really give every chest type equal balance in the world of, of conversation to me is incredibly important because nobody that has no nipples like myself or somebody with one breast or somebody with no breasts at all should feel like their choice wasn't a normal choice, because it is. It actually is exactly that. So leaning into that, I feel like, is, is sort of been my evolution, both personally and as an advocate, is let's lean into these really hard conversations and let's have them because they're important. And they're important for every, each an individual person in a very different way. But they all have to be said equally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, so getting to this particular spread, how did this photo shoot come together for you? Well, every Ana Ono photo shoot is a bit of a mastermind puzzle
1: because um, if if you're able to visit AnaOno.com, something I'm really, really incredible, pr- incredibly proud of is that if you have the body type of a one-breasted person or a no-breasted person, you can actually identify yourself as that body type on our website and the whole website will change to all of our styles in your body type, full representation. And um, as we do this, so do our photo shoot. So we have you know, deep flap surgeries, implant surgeries, mastectomy surgeries that use breast forwards, mastectomy surgeries that live with flat aesthetic closure. We have one-breasted models. We have one-breasted models that use breast forms. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, natural models. We have lumpectomy models. We really do. Every single surgery is where we start when we think about our photo shoots. And something that I've I've really began to embrace is we all have an attachment to our scars in a certain way, shape, or form. And you know, we always offer like, hey, would you like? you know, a scar photo, like most of the time, just for yourself. Uh, We don't necessarily take them to intend to share them or, you know, blast them on the internet. But of course we always ask and we always get consent. And, you know, some people don't give us consent, right? Sometimes it is very, very personal and it should be, that should be an absolute choice um, of that model. If they want them for themselves, if they don't want them at all, some, some aren't ready. You know, some models are not ready to have their scars photographed. And I, and I also embrace that because I think that that's also a very real emotion um, depending on where you're at in your survivorship. So it's, it's always these organic things that sometimes make the best shoots. So we did all of these amazing photographs um, with this idea of having this no- normal conversation at some point in time. I have to tell you, everybody's just absolutely stunning and gorgeous. It's almost like sometimes you take the top off, the camera comes on, and there's just this moment of uh there's just this moment of evolution in the person. And it's really honestly one of the most special and magical things I get to witness um and having Ana Ono is is watching this person blossom within minutes, sometimes within seconds, and just feeling that liberation. And Maybe that relief mm. or whatever that emotion is to them in that moment. And it's, it's just, it's really cool. And in this shoot specifically was re- representative of all of those different chest types, um, because we had so many different surgeries at this shoot. And, and it was, it's really powerful to, to see yourself represented and showcased, you know, and the education purpose of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these surgeries are a very personal choice. Sometimes they are medically induced. Yes. But they are still very personal. And I don't think that we can forget that part.
0: Yes. And I love too that in the spread and in your work that you also include people who have to have multiple surgeries or changing surgeries, such as an explant surgery or something that comes later, a deep flap that, you know, was um, arranged much later after the fact. So it's this evolution too, and just going back to what you were saying about normal, that. That is part, unfortunately, part of this is that sometimes tests change. Sometimes you get Mm -hmm. to do revisions that you want to do. And sometimes you have to do revisions that maybe you didn't plan to do. But to have a company such as yours, Dana, that is embracing all of that and saying like, it's all normal is just a real strong breath of fresh air. So thank you for that. Well,
1: you're welcome. But thank you always for supporting and and being a (laughs) part of this such important conversation. I, I think that our, our lives are complicated and wildfire has such an outlet for people to not only express themselves in a creative and beautiful way, but also for people to absorb information in a creative and beautiful way. And I think that that's really important as, you know, as I've sort of mentioned before, I was diagnosed 13 years ago at the age of 27, there was nothing like this available. So when I, you know, say that we're never alone, it's because of the work that you're doing in your organization and so many others, because when I was diagnosed, there was nothing and I actually did feel alone and I did mm-hmm. feel isolated and I didn't have exposure to all of these different choices that I could have made. And that's what just makes me fight day in and day out from sunup to sundown because we can do better and we do better with, you know, mm-hmm. working together and having incredible communities that support, you know, the newly diagnosed because that's when it's the most scary.
0: hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I um resonates with me what you were just saying about feeling alone because, you know, I'm 11 years out as well. Um you're ahead of me, but I didn't even see my first younger patient, like literally put eyes on someone for years. And yeah. I really did feel alone and not normal. Um and so yeah, it really makes a difference to be able to look at you know, a website like yours or a magazine with a spread like the one we did together and see someone owning their chest in a way that makes you feel normal yourself when you look at that or even beautiful. I I think that for me, you know, I live with a single mastectomy, aesthetic flat closure. And when I see someone who also has one breast, who looks so beautiful and so confident it does make me feel stronger in my body too. So I, I, I just speak into the choir, but I really appreciate it for myself. So let's do this, Dana. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will get more into, into this Q&A. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon, in paperback, and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hey, it's Kathleen Moss from rural Northwest Oregon calling in to say thank you to Monica and Emily and April for all the work that you're doing to help us survivors to keep writing and processing our grief and our trauma in all the different ways by writing and by listening. I just attended my second welfare writing workshop and it was just as amazing as the first one was. It's a really safe environment to share your heart, just get some words down on paper. There's no pressure to have it polished. And listening to the other gals read in the group has been super healing and brings up so much good emotion and lets me process my trauma in a really safe and healthy way. So thanks again for making this possible. And I highly encourage you who are listening to go and check out one of the workshops. You'll love it. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for the love. Thank you for that testimonial. Really appreciate you. And now turning back to you, Dana, I am just loving our conversation, all of our conversations I we've always had, have been so... um I don't know, just a little bit eye opening in, in more ways for me as my own survivorship continues to evolve, my own advocacy with wildfire. Um, but one of the things that you were saying right before the break, you know, you were talking about how we need resources to feel like we aren't alone and. I've always really appreciated that as a very tactile and visual brand as Anna Ono, that you've also embraced this idea of storytelling and the importance of storytelling. I, I don't know exactly what my question is, but I'm kind of curious about that. Why, why do you feel like it's important to, to have the stories of the models or to have the stories of people's experiences?
1: I I really love you asking that question because I think, you know, something that I never really expected. I've been a fashion designer my entire life. So I knew how to make clothes. I can make clothes anywhere in this entire world. And I'm really good at that. But what happened when I created Anna Ono was I realized that there were just so many people that didn't know what breast cancer actually was. They Mm. just thought... Mm -hmm okay, my grandma, my aunt, my mom's best friend, you know, my teacher, the neighbor down the street, well, they had breast cancer and, and they're either A-OK or B, they're dead. That's how the stories come out of other people. And I thought to myself, and of course, we, again, for those listening, I'm sure you've heard all of these stories. Like the first thing that comes out of people's mouth is just like this word vomit. And you're like, please don't tell me that. Like, I get it. You're probably sad. You're trying to associate to me, but not what I need to hear right now, right? Because we've We've heard them a lot, Mm -hmm. these stories. And it dawned on me very early on um, in creating Ana Ono that we needed to be a platform of education and information and advocacy in order to support the community in the right ways. And so I took the burden on very early to say, I can't really explain what I'm doing with my intimates that are different than a traditional bra on the market if people don't actually understand what's happening to us as breast cancer patients, that nearly half, maybe arguably slightly more than half are, are removing breasts as a part of their treatment. So if we have almost 300,000 people a year that are diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, about half of them have to remove their breasts as a part of their treatment. Um, sometimes that's not optional, right? Sometimes that's, that's really required. Sometimes it is optional depending on your diagnosis. And and every breast cancer diagnosis is different. So I felt like what I began to hear is that nobody's story is the same. All stories or a lot of stories, I should say, are quite similar. But, you know, nobody's story is the same. And I think that that's really important to give a platform to be able to share that. And you mentioned April right before the break about, you know, how also decisions that are made at one point in time can alter and change over your survivorship and over your treatment. Uh, one of our models, Laura, uh, is actually a, a pre-viver. She opted to remove her breasts as a part of her genetic mutation testing and her longtime survivorship. And she's had, I I actually don't know how many counts of surgeries um she's undergone, but she had a failed deep flap, which is rare, but it does happen. Um, she then went into Chambers of oxygen in order to help rebuild her skin because her skin had such bad necrosis and it was not rebuilding itself, to then going through, you know, another eventual reconstruction of after a few years of an implant reconstruction. And you think about this story, right? And you think about what does that actually mean? And I always believe that there's somebody else out there that needs to hear these stories. Some of them can be scary because you want to. Pretend or live in a land that feels very positive and good, and I always encourage people to live there if, if they can. And I think some of them are, are education and information. Like these are my ch- choices. Maybe I should investigate this more. or Maybe I should find out if this is the right choice for me, um, because we make better decisions for ourselves when we feel empowered to make those decisions. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, April, you mentioned being diagnosed, you know, eleven years ago. Me, thirteen. We didn't have the internet of photos to identify what choice we were making. Like we had very, very scary, scary, frightful images that anybody that would have looked at them would have said, do you think I'm crazy? Is this what I want to do to my body? Because that was what was accessible to us then, you know? So I feel like too, as, as so many advocates are stepping forward and showing their scars and sharing, their bodies, sometimes with failed reconstruction, sometimes with difficult surgery outcomes, sometimes with bad radiation burns, it still gives you context of, of what you're stepping into because you don't know what you don't know. And it's a very, very mm-hmm. weird world. It's a very, very complicated world. It's confusing and choices matter. And if you can have the information, you can mm. try your best <laughs> to make the best choice in that moment
0: don't be too tough on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And you just flung my brain back to those like really stark, terrifying medical images that used to be the only ones that you could come across for all of these different surgery choices. And they do look like I don't know, a prison of sorts, right? Like this is your lot now. this is what you will live with instead of like you've been saying, like this is just normal, but you can also feel good in this normal, too. It, that is a possibility. It doesn't have to just be kind of want want, you know. Um And of course, not everyone, has a breast cancer diagnosis and then immediately arrives at this place of like, you know, body positivity where they're whipping their shirts off and they're just like all over social mm-hmm. media. and and I don't even think that necessarily has to be the goal, right? It's those that can do that do it so that the ones who can't don't have to, you know, and we mm-hmm. we just help each other along the way. And each person's, Comfort is also an evolving thing, I think. It took me a very long time to take my shirt off and have my scars photographed. So I'm glad that I arrived there, but I don't know that I had to either.
1: Mm -hmm. I I think that's so beautifully said because I think it's very important that everybody take the steps in their life as they see fit and not feel like sort of a, a pressure, whether it's toxic positivity on social media or if it's, you know, forced advocacy to a certain extent. And I think, you know, what's funny, you, you mentioned New York Fashion Week earlier and we're we're coming up on on our our fifth our fifth show. And I it's it even makes me laugh a little bit because at one point in time I said, you know, this is a brawl fashion show and I can't get anybody to put on a top. I was like, what am I doing? But then I was like, this is great. You know, we've been such a huge part of this, of this movement. I feel really, really proud in the same sense. And then, you know, now fast forward through COVID and it, it, it's, it's interesting to me because in some ways I'm hearing from some people, uh, now we kind of get a response that says, oh, do, am I going to have to show my scars? And I, I thought it was mm-hmm. a very interesting evolution because there was come show 2020, which is our last one before COVID, I could barely put a top on anybody. And now through COVID and, and, and probably in part because of a huge surge of advocacy on the internet, which I feel is, is, is positive overall in most cases. Um, not always, but you know, I think overall we've, we've made a huge leaps and bounds. Um, you know, to now saying, Oh, okay. Well, like I feel really comfortable, but I just would rather be a little bit more protected. And I think it's great, you know, so it's, it's like we, we swing the pendulums back and forth as well when it comes to advocacy. And I've been doing it now for more than a decade and and same for you. And we've really put ourselves out there to make some pretty strong, aggressive arguments in support of the community to, you know, sometimes you have to be aggressive to get the point across. Then we get the point across and we can move on to the next thing. And it's, it's really great to hear you sort of share that, side of your story because you don't have to that doesn't make you an advocate that doesn't make you you know anything on social media it should be for yourself and that should be empowering for Mm -hmm. you to either empower yourself or to help empower others and either one of those Mm -hmm. answers are the right answer
0: yeah. Or a third answer, which for me was empowering my child to know that all different tests are normal as well. When I did my photo shoot a couple of years ago, my daughter was there, and it was, it turned out to be really important to me to show her. I mean, she grew up knowing that my chest was different. She was I was diagnosed when she was really little. But to then step in front of a camera and own it in a different way than she had ever seen me do, I hoped that she would feel that no matter what her chest story is throughout her whole life, that she could also feel that strength at some point if she wanted to.
1: So, yeah. I think it's really beautiful. Like that almost makes me very emotional because it's you know, I, I, I always think to myself that the reason why we're working so hard is to impact that generation. What's happening to us Absolutely. is already happening. And our work is to pay it forward. Very rarely do we get to reap the benefits in our own lifetime. I hope to see yeah. some of the benefits, but the reality is, is that we need to impact the young people that are going to probably be addressing this in very, very different ways than what we are. And giving them the support and information to empower them to just be beautiful
0: humans, I love it exactly, exactly, and that it's all it's all an evolving storyline, but it's all normal, like you said. So we're reaching the end of our time, but I definitely wanted to highlight the the New York Fashion Week show that you are working on. Um, so this is going to air in november when is the show coming up oh so this show coming up is in september but we'll have like links live
1: links and stuff like that that we could share yeah
0: perfect perfect we'll definitely link to that so um okay so for those of you listening we're going to go back in time (laughs) to (laughs) august we're recording this at the end of august and so, Dana, I'm just curious, you know, all of the things that you and I do are along the lines of telling different stories. And, you know, some of the stories are much more visual in the case of you. And now you're going to take a, you know, a group of survivors and take them to this stage. And I had the pleasure of walking in a different uh, show. I haven't walked in a Anna Ono show yet, but I did walk in another show years ago. And I remember learning some runway techniques and I remember learning that, that runway is storytelling. How you walk is storytelling. And so I'm just curious what the story is that you want to tell with this year's show. I, well, I, I love that.
1: First of all, I have an incredible partner in crime, Lolita Frazier of uh, Strut Talk. And she says exactly that, that your, your strut is your story. And um, she's really been a huge partner of ours for, for many, many years. And she's so much magic that goes into our show because it's scary, first of all. This entire experience, when you are in a room full of 500 people in your underwear, it is scary. But I, I love using the runway as a, a piece of our own advocacy. And this year, um, Cancerland has evolved into cancer culture. And they're really about provoking a conversation about breast cancer that holds us all accountable. That can be a lot of different layers, but something that we really believe in this funding stage four breast cancer research. Um, As we know, uh, one in three are are diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in their lifetime. And if we can impact the survivorship and the treatment path for stage four, we, we really all win. And in this year's idea is a revolution not against pink, but for pink. And I think what's really happened over my years of advocacy and and especially during COVID is that the community has evolved quite a bit. The conversations have evolved quite a bit. There's still so much work to do, but we are winning in some categories. We have more treatments today for stage four research than what we had 10 years ago. We have different surgery options. We're talking about aesthetic flat closure. There's so many things that we've gotten to in 10 years, and that's all very, very important. But one thing that has happened in our advocacy movement is the realities that we face as a community through mismanaged nonprofits and organizations uh, that have also you know, led to conversations around pinkwashing um, and whatnot. But, but all in all, even though that, that advocacy has been important and it's right for us to do it, uh, it's also impacted the community in the space quite a bit. Corporations are afraid to support breast cancer causes Mm -hmm. because they're concerned they're gonna say something wrong. Um, There's an Mm -hmm. education and advocacy component that we need to do to rebuild up pink uh, because pink is the power, right? And we know that it's a recognizable symbol. We know it's something that's really important. Uh, The breast is an incredible campaign, um, but the pink is not the problem. Addressing all of the issues with pink washing. And I think there's just, there's, there's an opportunity here for us to lean in and not let society control and manage us, but take the survivorship community, take the people afflicted by breast cancer and let us be the leading voices to what it is that we need and how we need it. So it's a bit of the evolution of what we've seen for pink, but it's also the revolution to say, let's all stand up for ourselves. Let's let, let's stop letting people talk for us. Let's be the talk. And let's, you know, let's really impact and, mm-hmm. and see what see what we can do with this. Let's take it further. Let's not keep beating it down. Let's actually take it further. But if we can be in control of that, if we can be the biggest advocates and the biggest voices for that, we have an opportunity to be able to make that difference in that shift.
0: Mm, I like that. And I love what you just said too about uh, pinkwashing, and we've reached this place where some corporations, you know, are afraid to to support breast cancer for fear of doing it wrong, or maybe they've been slapped for doing it wrong in the past. And I agree with you that the answer to that is education, and you know, continuing to further the conversation as opposed to you know, jumping all over someone who maybe makes a mistake. And I can speak for being a brand in the breast cancer space, even though I, you know, I'm serving myself as a survivor, I have also been afraid of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. And so if we can just continue to help each other evolve and grow and understand how to advocate in a breast cancer space, how to, you know, fund that metastatic breast cancer research that is so needed, how to support someone on all different stages, then it's like the rising tide, right? We lift all the boats mm-hmm. when we do it that way. Absolutely. And you're,
1: and you're right. We have to support each other, give each other grace, learn from each other, listen to each other. Mm-hmm. And then we all grow. And I love that. We all lift each other's boats.
0: Exactly. Well, I wish that we could just chat all afternoon, but I know you are a very busy human being. So I am going to wrap up our interview. But Dina, for people who aren't yet familiar with Anna Ono or you, where can they find you online and learn more?
1: Well, you can always visit anaono.com. It's A-N-A-O-N-O dot com. And you can follow along with us at Anaono Intimates on all of the socials. And if you want to follow along with my own survivorship and business ownership and advocacy movements, uh, you can follow me personally at D-A-Y-N-A-D-O-N-O.
0: Perfect. And I will mention that this is Dana's second time coming on The Burn with me. And last time we had a really fun discussion around uh, alter egos and how Ana Ono is Dana's alter ego. So we will link to that previous episode so you guys can catch up on that one as well. So my guest today, again, has been Dana Donofray. She wrote the guest editor letter and influenced the entire issue, our most recent body issue. Today, we were talking about the chest inclusivity photo spread. So be sure to pick up that issue and check it out. And thank you so much. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young people like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro if you want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories please visit wildfirecommunity.org you'll find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode you'll find our more than 40 issues in the wildfire archives and i'd like to invite you to take a writing workshop with me there's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop and i want you to experience it for yourself discover how to write your way back to yourself write your way to reclaiming your body and your story And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like it, please take a moment and leave us a five-star review. I would be forever grateful. All right, here is your writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping or editing, lean into that time and see what needs to come out. The prompt is to write an open letter from your chest to the world. What does your chest want the world to know, whether that's the chest you had prior to your diagnosis, the chest you have now, your scars? What do you want the world to know written from the perspective of your chest? Write for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you find that you write best with a great writing prompt, I have more for you at wildfirecommunity.org slash free. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.